You ready? Are you shitty down? The Shine On Podcast 2022. I've said before and I'll say it again. Divorce affects so many people out there. The money, the property, the assets, so many high-profile divorces. The conflict, the allegations, huge legal fee and support awards, you name it. Divorce is a true team sport. Incredible insight. Not divorce stories. Shine On Podcast. Shine On Podcast. The Shine On Podcast 2022. episode 41 of the shine up podcast i'm evan shine we have a wonderful guest today and a great episode this week on the shine up podcast we are going to find out how to turn life's lemons into lemonade and no i'm not talking about producer dave's fourth grade lemonade stand which from what i'm told from the sources close to the situation was legendary i was a little little uh, future entrepreneur you got to start somewhere exactly yeah but what I'm talking about is our absolutely incredible Shine On podcast featured guest, Alicia Robertson. We're going to talk to Alicia about her new book, Make Lemonade, which is an absolute must read for anyone at any stage going through the divorce process or anyone even thinking about divorce. As you will hear from our featured guest today, no one, no one should go through the divorce process alone. We talked to Alicia about her work to crush the stigma of divorce and her passion to change how we think about, talk about, and look at divorce by providing community and support, information, and education for people going through the divorce process each and every step of the way. You're not going to want to miss this spot with Alicia. And Dave, before we get into the great conversation with divorce coach and author, Alicia Robertson. Let's get right into the docket and see what you have cooked up on today's menu. All right, let's do it. And now, let's see what's on the docket. Another jam-packed edition of the Docket Counselor. And the first item comes to us from yahoomoney.com. Item one. Headline indicates that Amber Heard says she still plans to donate $7 million of her divorce settlement to charity, even though she hasn't done it yet. The divorce settlement with Johnny Depp, it had been revealed in Depp's defamation trial against her that she had yet to fulfill this promise to charity, but she says she's still planning to do it. Evan, your thoughts on this high-profile divorce? Hey, first, this was an absolute spectacle as we saw a play out in the public eye and the media. One of the many takeaways from the Depp Heard trial was the fact that it was revealed during the trial that despite Heard previously saying she would donate her $7 million divorce settlement she received from Johnny Depp, she hasn't done it. I mean, Heard's been ripped in the media for this. To many, including me, this did not look good for Heard that she didn't donate the money she said she would and keep her promise thus far. In the court of public opinion, it doesn't reflect well. But from a legal standpoint, is there a remedy? Unfortunately, not likely. Unless this was actually in the settlement contract signed by the parties, there's likely no enforcement remedy or anything along those lines. Unless Heard makes good on the $7 million donation, there's nothing to do legally. And unfortunately, a charity may be out $7 million. But wow, from the negativity surrounding this charitable contribution that never happened, Dave, this didn't reflect well on Heard. Very good. Evan, item two comes to us from MSN.com, another high-profile divorce. 
Item two. Headline reads, Google co-founder Sergey Brin, the world's sixth richest person, files for divorce from Nicole Shanahan. The Google co-founder, according to Bloomberg, filed for a dissolution of marriage from his wife back in early January, citing irreconcilable differences. Joint assets to be divided in the proceedings, but they are yet to be determined. What can we look for in this case as it goes on, Evan? How about the money at stake in this divorce? Look, in 2021, we saw our fair share of high-profile and huge financial divorce cases in this divorce involving Google co-founder, the sixth richest person in the world. Buckle up as this is going to be a divorce to watch in 2022, or is it? Reports are that parties have agreed to go to confidential binding arbitration with the private judge in the state of California. I have three words about this decision. Smartest move ever. But look, the reality is whether this will actually be kept confidential, that's the $94 billion question. Producer Dave, if my memory serves me right, didn't Angelina and Brad Pitt go to some type of binding confidential arbitration mm. and look at how private that process was? Not so much, yes. Third and final item on the docket comes to us from Newsweek.com. Item three. Interesting story here, Evan. A woman has been urged to dump her husband for taking his mother's side after she threw his wife's stuff out of her own closet. 26-year-old man was branded a mommy's boy after letting his mother move into the one-bedroom apartment he shares with his wife without telling her while his mom's own home was being renovated. This became sort of a cause celebre on a Reddit chain. People are saying, divorce, get a divorce right away. It's a sticky situation. Your thoughts, Evan? I thought it's dump him. I mean, <laughs> absolutely dump him. Look, I'm going to jump on the very, very, very long list of people who are in favor of the woman getting rid of her husband. This is outrageous. This is unacceptable. I have never heard of something like this before. But what's the most egregious part of the story? Look, the husband moves his mother into their one-bedroom apartment Reports are without even telling his wife. Right. That would be bad enough. But the second thing, it gets worse. Mm. The husband is asking the wife to remove her clothes from the drawers to make room for his mother's clothes. Right. And he didn't even tell his wife that she was coming to live with them. Right. Then it gets worse, Dave. The mother just takes it upon herself, dumps her daughter-in-law's clothes out of the drawers to make room for her own clothes. When she's at work, look, any one of these would be enough for me. And you know, I love a good research study. And the article mentions a study published in the Evolutionary Psychological Science Journal, which said both men and women tend to experience more conflict with their mother-in-laws than their biological mothers. Look, there's no surprise here. That makes sense. And the truth is, I need to be careful what I say. My mother-in-law, she's a loyal listener to the podcast, <laughs> so I got to be careful. Smart man. And look, she always agrees with me anyway. <laughs> but the reality is, I see this play out in my office all the time, especially with couples who have only been married for a few years and they're young. And I'm sure that this is quite a common discussion in the office of couples therapists and some of the great guests that we've had on, Ellen Bader. Catherine Woodward Thomas, or the divorce doctor, Elizabeth Cohen. Yeah, this sounds like the plot for a bad sitcom, doesn't it? 
the couple was getting along just fine in their one bedroom apartment. And then <laughs> the ma, the mother-in-law moves in and the missus has to deal with the mother-in-law too close for comfort. All right. We are up to the segment of the program where Evan gives his thoughts on the issues of the day. And since we just celebrated Father's Day, I think that's what we're going to be talking about in this edition of Shine on Spotlight. The Shine on Spotlight. And Dave, you're absolutely right. Father's Day was this past Sunday. Happy Father's Day. And I hope this past Father's Day was a special one for you. And look, these days can sometimes be complex for a long list of reasons. So it's important to try and focus on the positive and make it the day that you want it to be. Divorce and Father's Day, it's something that can be especially tricky in divorces when there is high conflict parent relationships. The day should be about the children. And far too often in litigation, I see couples argue, couples fight over whether the children should be with the parent for just the day of Father's Day or the entire weekend. And look, the same argument applies to Mother's Day as well. But people lose sight of what the focus should be on. And that's the children. This isn't the day or the weekend to go to bat for or argue about or try to limit the children with the other parent. It just isn't. Look, the reality is judges want uninterrupted time of these days, whether it's for the day or the entire weekend. And if you're the other parent, so should you. And I know it could be a hard day for people going through divorce or if this is the first Father's Day following a divorce, because things might be different. But make the day as special as you possibly can for your children. And Dave, let me get your thoughts on Father's Day and what it was like for you following your divorce. Was it challenging? Was it harder? Was it more special? Was it different? What was yeah. it like for you? It's, um, it's always kind of sad to celebrate these days when you're solo and not with your spouse anymore. And I remembered early on after we got divorced that um, my ex made it clear to me that Mother's Day was very important to her. And so I tried to place a premium on it. And sometimes you you may have to, not me personally necessarily, but people may have, you may have to go against your instincts. In other words, you may need to go out and help your kids buy a gift for your ex who you might not be on the best terms with. But you know what? That's That's what the parents are for, to do things for the kids and the kids, you know, even though they may be too young to express it or to go buy a gift, you, you, it's your job. You got to help them along. Yesterday, as I, I've told you, Evan, sadly, last week I tested positive for COVID. So I knew my father's day wasn't going to be very fun. But my ex arranged for my kids to come over, bring me lunch. We sat outside. We had a nice lunch. She paid for the whole thing. So thank you, Annie. And it was just, it's, you know, no matter how, now my divorce, as I've told you, Evan, has been, Pretty, pretty, pretty amicable, as amicable as they come, and I'm, I'm blessed for that. But no matter how acrimonious your divorce may be, think of the kids. Try to make it a nice day for them. Hey, that's great. And, and let me ask you, do you have any advice for dads who mm-hmm. are celebrating that first Father's Day following divorce? Yeah, just do your, do your best to enjoy the day and just don't try to make it perfect. You know, don't try to be super dad and have the Father's Day where you go to the park, you go to a ball game, you you do everything under the sun. Just spend time. It, at the end of the day, the best thing you can do is spend time with your kids. And, you know, um, hopefully you've got an ex that understands that. They probably do. So time, FaceTime is just, the I think, the most important thing with the kids. 
And just know it's going to be different, and it'll evolve over time. But it's still your day. You can still enjoy it. Our featured guest today on this week's episode of the Shine Up Podcast is the voice guru, Alicia Robertson. Alicia is a renowned life coach and the author of a new book just out in March of this year. The title of the book is Make Lemonade, and we're going to talk with Alicia about her work, her new book, how to navigate the divorce process, and turn one of life's most difficult times into a positive path forward. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Evan. It's great to be here. Alicia, I want to start with your book out in March of this year, which is a must-read for anyone thinking about divorce or going through it. What inspired you to write the book? That's funny, Evan. I have always known I've had a book in me, but I did not know what the cause or the mission that I would be advocating around would be. (laughs) And here it is, divorce. And so I, you know what, immediately through isolation, through the blame, shame, victim, mind space, and and the stigma of divorce. And, you know, one of those first, like, my babies are going to be from a broken home. I just... I thought, no way, it's not going to happen. Not going down on my clock. So I wanted to write a book that would not only crush the negative stigma of divorce, but to also help women through this experience. Because I just, I I actually couldn't believe how challenging it was to get through an experience that we're told so many people go through. And Alicia, you're so open and honest in the book, but tell us, what did you discover about yourself during the process of writing the book that perhaps when you went through your own divorce, you may may have not realized. Yeah, I discovered so much. In fact, the first book turned into the digital course that I now coach on. So I discovered a a true calling and a purpose to help women to um, be coached and have a community where they could be connected through. Um, I think though on a personal level, on a deeply personal level, as I wrote what is now the book, is that... This is such a beautiful opportunity to turn any massive change in life and anything that where you feel at your rock bottom and like you don't have a path or a plan forward and that you'd rather give up on most days, that there is so much opportunity for self-discovery, personal discovery. That in the beginning, I felt like I was, that I was blindsided, right? And that, that I had no control and I was powerless. And then to realize, wait a second, we both have a part to play on this. We both come to the table um, with our own experiences through what was our marriage, but ultimately making this decision to uncouple, if we're going to do it well, that we have to do it as a united front and really put the children, you know, in the center of our focus. Alicia, you mentioned so many things I want to touch on. Use the word community. You mentioned the word blindside. You mentioned the word putting children first. Tell me about the power of community, because divorce can be such an isolating time, such a, such a lonely time for so many women and people going through divorce. How important is finding support, finding that community? And you have this lemonade, you know, lemonade life community. That's, you know, the class, the book. Tell us about community for people going through a divorce. Yeah. So first of all, <laughs> when you finally come out, right, you, you're public with your divorce, likely there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. Actually coming to the arrival of that decision that you're going to get a divorce, it's almost impossible. 
So that whole experience behind the scenes and that limbo is so isolating. And you, you, you can't talk to anyone. There's no one to turn to. And so then you finally come out into the world and share what is your truth, which in some aspects, for those of us going through it, it's just freedom and total liberation to finally speak the truth. But there's also this understanding that we are the leaders of this experience from get-go. The way that we're going to talk about this and the people that we're going to enlist around us is going to make all the difference in the world. And so I knew right away I had to build that community. I had to surround myself by aspirational thought leadership at every turn. And that included friends, family, professionals, self-care, self-help, all, all of it. So community is accept it's everything. Truly, it's it really is everything. And so many of us actually don't know how to build community. In my situation, I was a national networker and I'd done so all my life. So it was it was a space that was comfortable to me. Um, but you know what? What wasn't comfortable was sharing very personal information that I was still not comfortable with. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't even say the word divorce for like a year after, but yet had to talk about this thing. And so, yeah, it was an incredible, an incredible thing to build a community that was going to support me while I figured that out, that I would feel safe enough to do so. What's the advice in, to, for people to open up about their own divorce, to feel comfortable enough to share what they're going through, to share details, intimate details about their life, about their marriage, about the divorce process that and you mentioned, even yourself, someone who is used to being out there and, and, and social and networking. These are such intimate details of someone's life. And so what's the advice to get someone to be comfortable in sharing with a support team, with professionals, their experience and what they're going through? Yeah. So I think on a personal level, first and foremost, it's self-care, right? Healing, recovery, an opportunity to let yourself ground and understand what is in alignment with your values to be able to share and then to establish healthy boundaries about what it is that you're going to deliver to whom. And then to be able to ask for what you need from your community, because whenever you're sharing something, you can also receive something. And so I think it's incredibly important to have those back pocket statements, right? Those canned, you know, so that anyone catches you with an off guard question or something you're not prepared to talk on, you're right back to what is, you know, your, your statement that you're comfortable with. So for example, um, lots of clients come to me and they go, well, it, it wasn't my choice. And they just still want to point the finger and I'm not going to be the one to go and tell the news that it's our decision. I'm not the one breaking up the family. Wait, 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 wait a second, right? How about we talk about the beautiful legacy that has been our family, right? We've, we've built union and friends and communities and professional careers and have so much respect for the family that we are as we continue, as we move forward, right? As uh, people need to know what is the information and what is the decision and how can I help you move forward? You know, and now we're moving forward in our new family dynamic fo focused on co-parenting and our children. So right away they go, okay, so this isn't about, you know, pointing fingers or having to come justify or share the nitty gritty of the details, but deliver the information that matters in a way that's truthful and is of integrity, but also that respects your family and cues people immediately. Okay, this isn't for gossiping, venting, right? Feeling sorry for us. This is about supporting this family as they're going through this experience. 
And Alicia, you're right. It's, it's reframing the narrative, reframing the conversation. You mentioned the new family, the restructuring, what life's going to look like as two people co-parent their children. You also mentioned the stigma of divorce. Has the stigma surrounding divorce, has that changed in recent years? I would love to think that it has. And, you know, certainly when I went through it, right away, Gwyneth Paltrow came to mind, right? And she had had brought popular the phrase conscious uncoupling, right? So I think that, you know, there has been a lot of forward movement. And nowadays when we do, you know, I, I, I think of celebrity first and foremost, because they're in the spotlight sure. and there is a lot more positive language happening. And we are seeing a lot more of a positive narrative that is accessible to us. However, I can tell you that working with people day in and day out, uh, there's a lot of people who are stuck in marriages for a lot of societal pressures, whether it be religion, politics, finances, um, you know, personal upbringing, family modeling, generational cycles of abuse, addiction. There's so many reasons why people are staying in unhappy marriages and in very conflict-filled negative spaces. And there is an absolute fear, you know, the, the, the shame, the blame. People come to me, they'll first say, how am I going to make it finances and are my kids going to be okay? When really the underlying fear is just fears and limiting beliefs, right? And a lack of self-worth and confidence. So it's still there. It really is still there. I think we're making progress and I hope through this conversation, we continue to make progress, but there is a lot to unpack. And as a divorce attorney, those are the exact two questions that I get, get asked in terms of finances and people wanting to know where the kids are going to be okay. And Alicia, you mentioned the word stuck and people feeling stuck in marriages and relationships. So how does one know when the breaking point in a marriage occurs? And for you, how did you know? Yeah, so I, uh, I, we were a year, okay, to doing the whole in level, can we make it? Is couples therapy something for us? You know, what is this and, and what's happening? And um, after walking on eggshells and you know, living in the isolation and living in all of the fear, all of the limiting beliefs that we just talked about, I could feel myself getting sick. I really, truly could. In the pit of my stomach, um, we were not well. And so what I can see when I peel back all of the layers and all of the emotional things is that we were not aligned in our values. We were not aligned in our goals. We were not modeling healthy intimacy and partnership to our children and for our family. And, you know, we, we weren't thriving and we are two individuals that would in leadership and everywhere in our lives say that you take your shot and you, for health and happiness, you walk away from what might be, you know, 10% bad. 90% could be great, but if you're still not thriving, you've got to have the courage to, you know, do the very thing that's going to put you in a position to succeed on your own terms. And we weren't modeling those things. So, and, and I think that's the big thing. This is highly emotional for all the things and very vulnerable that we're talking about. And through this, I have to say, I had professionals, right? I, I was with a therapist weekly. I was supported to unpack this experience on an emotional level. And then, but to really stick to the facts and what the situation is, right? In order to make the best and most informed decision during a very vulnerable time. And you mentioned making an informed decision, being in sort of that stage in your life for about a year. 
what are some bad reasons to end the marriage? A reason that you might hear mm-hmm. from one of your clients or when you're consulted with and someone, you know, you hear something that you may suggest that someone gives their relationship and marriage a second chance. Yeah, I hear, I hear so many. Here's two that popped in my mind. One is love. <laughs> I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but people go, oh, but, but we're so in love. And so, and he's my soulmate and all these really trite things, right? And guess what? It takes more to be in a partnership than love, right? And so as we mature and we get older, I'm 43 now, I'm in midlife and, you know, I'm no longer seeing potential justifying things. I want action. I know exactly who I am and what I want. It's not about these um, fluffy statements that don't hold value, right? So, and just what I shared, right? We have to be in it. We have to be aligned with values and on the same page with goals and the things we talked about. The other thing that I hear about is I'm staying it for my kids. And I just really honestly couldn't think of a more selfish statement to make. I understand where it comes from. And I know different ages and stages of children and complexities are there and they're real. And and it's important to be supported with professionals to figure out what works for your family dynamic. Kids can be an incredible motivator, 100%. It's your family, right? Um, None of us went into this thinking it would end this way, but they can't be the only reason. And nor do you want to burden them with that, that, you know, I sacrificed or, you know, I, I was selfless or I chose to stay in this situation and, you know, didn't have happiness for you. That is the really incredible burden to put on another human being. And so I'm always getting people realigned with who are you? What do you want? And making, and it's, it's hard. It's conflict, right? It's conflict. Nobody wants to really have the tough, tough conversations. So those are my two. Those are my two. I I love it. No, I love it. And and I would imagine those are the debates that people have at all stages of the divorce process. When people are thinking about, should they file for divorce? Should they separate? Should they move forward? These are the debates that people have during the process, the process that can take two, three years, if not longer. And then these are the debates that people have in terms of parenting and, and co-parenting relationships, even at the end of the divorce process. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of times that I, people, well, uh, they've changed, they've changed. Right. And, and we're constantly looking for the thing, the reason that is either good enough to exit or good enough to stay. And sometimes there just isn't like, we don't actually need a reason to justify or to provide you know, a narrative out into the world, we can just decide that we're no longer on the same page and we're not serving our partnership to the greatest and highest potential that we can. So it's time to make a change. And that's okay. That's okay for people to realize and to come to that conclusion. It doesn't mean the marriage was a failure. It doesn't mean their relationship was a failure. And as you said earlier, it's about reshaping the family structure, reshaping the family dynamic. And in many ways, people become the best versions of themselves. And I'm sure you see this in post-divorce life. Mm-hmm. I do. I really do. Um, you know what? Because a lot of times it's actually never about the relationship or the marriage. And so oftentimes, and that's why I, in our community, we don't hold space for venting and gossip and negativity. We're, we're focused on our own journey and our own personal success. Because what I see is that fundamentally, if people do not have purpose and that they don't have contribution to the world and they don't know who they are and what their values are, 
right? It's about your own self-worth, your own purpose, your own contribution, your own boundaries that you set up to make that happen and to have the ability to have confidence and to be able to communicate for those needs. This is personal success, right? Divorce happens to be the thing, but um, in my previous life, I supported people through career change and succession planning and and um, empty nesting, right? And loss and grief. It's massive change and it's really emotional. But at the end of the day, it comes back to who we are on the inside and having sustained happiness. And Alicia, I think for some people, seeing that change, seeing the transformation and believing that it's going to happen to them comes easier and more natural than it may come to others. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about divorce, given your own experience and from what you would hear from your clients? Yeah, I think that to me... So here's the deal. I believe in mindset. So in, in, in mindfulness. And so I believe that if you have, or you want to learn how to have or appreciate a growth mindset, you know, having a positive attitude, you know, finding what your purpose is or living in your authenticity, right? That if you have those qualities that you're able to work through any situation in life, including divorce, in a positive way. So what I have seen in the divorce space is that it absolutely can be a positive experience, but we have to drop a lot of ego, right? And, um, you know, like, for example, um, compromise. There's always seems to be this loss, like there's win-lose, when in fact, and and one of the bigger reframes I'm always doing with 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 my clients is that likely in marriage, you compromise just the same or more. But yet now we get into the divorce world and we feel like we're compromising even more. And it's usually not the case. And I also feel like there's really an incredible opportunity for parents to thrive um, through divorce. As, as parents, I, I've seen the two of us, in my experience, be able to bond with our children on a deeply intimate and personal way and to be able to model an even greater experience through their childhood for them. Now, so, that, did that happen initially? Did that happen initially for you or it took time? It took work? Yeah, a lot of work. A lot of work. You know what? This stuff is easy to talk about. It's simple to, you know, roll out the red carpet for, but no, the effort and the intentional practice is there by the minute. I would role play conversations with my therapist and my lawyer and my accountant. I would, I would, I would, you know, going into every single conversation and coming out of every single conversation, I'd have a game plan to get through it and to stay focused. Um, so no, it was an incredible, it still is an incredible amount of work and time and effort. And slowly though, I do believe as, as, as we practice the skills, then we become more capable and more competent. And so does our confidence. And that's really when all of a sudden we're on autopilot and we're able to do it a lot easier. I can say to you six years later though, I do consider my former partner a great friend of mine. And that's how we started was from a place of friendship. We were always a great team. Um, And this is a new relationship. I would consider him more like a brother. That's great to hear because in many ways that relationship, that friendship, when it goes to to co-parenting and raising the kids, that framework, right, Mm -hmm. is there and allows the two of you to communicate openly, transparently, really for the benefit of the children. Yeah, there's that stability, right? We really, truly were aligned on values for the children. We're aligned on goals for the children. 
we have a strategic partnership, right? And so how we're going to do this in our own homes looks very differently. Clearly, we didn't make it as a partnership, as if, you know, in a family in our homes, we have very different perspectives and outlooks on how things should be done. That's okay. I'm not a perfect mom. He's not a perfect dad. So, you know, it's really just focusing on what matters, right? Alicia, you mentioned that we talked about the stigma surrounding divorce and, and, and all of that. What kind of advice would you give to someone who's recently divorced and who doesn't know how to share the news of the divorce? with family, friends, or coworkers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I always, uh, I think that it's really important. It's sort of like a bullseye, right? So if our children are at the table first, well, I guess first our partners, for some of us, we're sharing that information with our partners, partners and the children, then our extended family, and then community at large, and to think of it that way. And so, you know, it, we're the leaders. This is our chance to set the tone for what is the experience. How our children are going to receive this information is how they are going to feel about what's happening to them. So it's really important that we are clear, consistent, and to the point, (laughs) right? To the point. And that we're both aligned so that right away we can, you know, unpack. I really believe that the opportunity to unpack the stigma of divorce comes in every single word that we speak. Language is incredibly important. It drives belief systems. And when we're doing this, we are unpacking old belief systems, old fears, right? And so I, I think it's really important that we have incredibly consistent and quality messaging. You mentioned word choice, which leads me to my next question, because some have suggested that the very words ex-wife, ex-husband, uh-huh. divorced, they have such a negative pejorative connotation. Are there better words to use? I do believe so. I I use former partner, right? I don't use ex, use former partner. Um, I talk about our family, your dad, right? Mom will always be your mom. Dad will always be your dad, right? We, We have love, we have gratitude, we have health, we have happiness. I always focus on the positive language. There is never a negative or derogatory or finger pointing, you know, experience or tone that will come out. Kids are listening. They, they, they pick up on body language, right? They pick up on your energy. This is about the language and about really delivering it in a way that has a lot of grace and poise and integrity. And you mentioned the positivity and the way you view things and encourage your clients to focus on things going forward. And I know positive psychology plays such a role in the work that you do. So tell us what positive psychology is and how do you implement the principles of positive psychology to reshaping the conversation around divorce? Yeah, so, you know, at a basic level, positive psychology is a way to unpack whatever the patterns are that we have held through years of modeling, limiting beliefs, fears, whatever that might mean to us to understand at a deep level, why? Why is it that we continue to do the things that we do? And if we can have a positive outlook in terms of, if this is where I am today, where would I like to be in the future? And how can I get there? What are the actions and the behaviors that I can do? Small wins, does it have to be massive? Small wins, that really build momentum over time. The consistency in the practice is what matters most. And if we can stay in a place where we are, like you've mentioned, reframing, challenging, 
right? And, and putting our best self and foot forward very intentionally and with a lot of consciousness to be able to have an awareness, have an awareness, and then with intention, put a new practice in place. Because really your, your, your brain is wired. It's, it's highly effective or efficient, but not so effective sometimes, right? It just wants to see and it's familiar pattern. Right. And you know, right? Do that's things. easy. That's the that's easy. Way to do. Yeah, that's comfortable. But we're talking about building new neural pathways that are whole different ways of doing something. So even just from marriage, going from your partnership through marriage into a new partnership, you're practicing a whole new dance, right? A whole new relationship. So that takes time to be very aware and go, okay, this is how I would have reacted. How do I choose to respond this time? Alicia, I love that. We talked about community and support. How should someone react when a friend or family member or colleague tells them that they're going through a divorce? Mm -hmm. I love this question. And do you know that it is the most vulnerable piece of the book that I never actually thought my friends and family would read the book. And they have. Okay, great. And they, and that is the one piece that Everyone comes back to me and say, I'm so sorry. I did not support you as best as I could have as the friend. And that is the reason why is because in the book, I could talk about, you know, when people say, well, have you done everything you could? Are you sure it's the right decision for the children? You know, well, maybe, maybe he's just going through a phase. Maybe it's just a phase. You know, all of the excuses that we make because it's incredibly uncomfortable and it's sad. So, you know what? That's the biggest thing is that as a friend, you don't have to solve, you don't have to justify, you don't have to find reasons. You don't need to know anything, in fact. And and that was my favorite thing when I would talk to people, my married friends. Well, what happened? They would say, <laughs> like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you are married. You know what has happened. <laughs> but, but, that's, but, but I don't think people either appreciate it or know exactly how to handle those conversations and they're not prepared and they don't know what to say at that moment. And then it causes or, or, or the domino effect that person, you may not look to those friends or family members for support, for advice going forward as a result of that initial conversation. It's true. And I have to remind my clients is that two things. One, they are shocked in disbelief and grieving, right? Our friends are, they don't know where they stand in all of this change. So they're just, they're scared. It's their fear response. It's the first thing that they know. So to not take that personal. And if it does come from a place of judgment, that quite simply, all, that, that those are their fears, their limiting beliefs that they're putting out into the world. So again, to not take it personally. So, and for those that are receiving this information, no different than we receive all difficult news is to understand that just holding space and being a positive, open-minded person is the best thing you can do. How can I help you? Right? Lean in with questions. How can I help you? Tell me more. Lisa, what are some of the common mistakes that people make personally, professionally in the wake of divorce? For me, I think that it comes down to emotions, emotional reactions that I think do more damage than good. And so I was always, I think that emotions are incredibly important to process, to understand, to be deeply aware and connected to, and to heal with. 
but that you surround yourself with professionals that can help you through that experience. For some of us, we need coaches. For some of us, we need trauma experts, you know, and for others yet of us, we need other types of modalities. So find whatever serves you to be able to unpack and to process those emotions. But when you're interacting with other people through this experience, it's really important that we're able to stick to the situation or the task at hand, whether that be something about the children, whether that be about finances, whether that, you know, because like at the end of the day, we're talking about finances, finance, financials, um, assets and liabilities, right? Sure. And family planning. So we already know these things and they're all very concrete situations we have to solve for. And we're likely both working towards, you know, the same end. But when the emotions get in there, it just derails any type of productive conversation. Alicia, there was a recent article that I talked about on a prior episode of the podcast. It was from BBC. And a focus of the article was why women file for divorce more than men. And the article mentioned statistics and the article gave a 70% number of women who initiate divorce proceedings. And then that number jumps to 90% when women are college educated. And some of the reasons, according to the article, range from women having greater emotional intelligence than men, the stigma of divorce changing, women being less comfortable than men with a marital status that's in limbo, greater economic independence for women. What are your thoughts? And, and when you hear this statistic, what does this suggest to you? Yeah, I, I, I see it. I see it. When I started um, working as a divorce coach, I thought that I would be working mostly with women like myself who hadn't planned for it. And it turns out 50% of the women I work with are contemplating separation and divorce and figuring out what the right path and plan is forward. And then 50% are those that are in separation by their choice or not. And what I see is that on either side, the women are leading the divorce. The women are leading the families. And the women are the ones that are capable, are smart, resilient. They are leaders. And so what I see is that it's an incredibly tough situation, but women are groomed to handle inherently tough stuff their entire life from menstruation through to menopause. <laughs> we work through a lot <laughs> and we tolerate a lot. And there just comes a time in life, I think as women where, you know, the, the alarm, the alarm sort of going off a little more frequently and our health and wellness is suffering. And we start to ask the questions about how are we actually serving and caregiving? Cause that's what we do so well when we're burnt out. And we're exhausted. And when we don't feel joy. And for many of my clients are going through a lot of generational issues like domestic violence, addiction, sure. and so on, mental wellness. So this is big, big stuff. But I see women leading the change. And Alicia, you're changing the narrative around divorce. You're providing support and really a community for people going through the process. At what point should people get in touch with you? There's two sides. When you are contemplating divorce, I often um, pick up one set of clients when they've exhausted couples therapy a lot of times, when they're getting ready to explore what legal options are available to them. And so, you know, we put together what is a plan, a path and a plan for how to work through this process consciously and with integrity and to make sure that we're making the right decisions at all the milestones. And then I see another group of ladies who are quite very much in the grieving process. And so 
with those ladies, I see them pretty much when that denial and the bargaining has shifted to a place of acceptance and they're ready to move forward. They're ready to be informed, prepared, and to become the decision makers that they need to be at the table. And they too are looking for, you know, who is my team? How do I do divorce? And so do the teams change based on where the women that you work with are in the process? Sure. Uh, for sure. Uh, so uh, uh, yes and no. I think at the end, my I advocate and what I coach on is that we need a professional team that would look like, you know, legal accounting or financial accounting, financial advisors, right? Um, could be lending and mortgage, life insurance. The, the team is extensive. But what I love about the team, and for me, this is about financial independence and setting up your future self for success. So six years later, I still use every single person on my team that I built through my divorce. And so I think if you have strong players, they're advocating for you through the divorce process. But we're looking beyond that, right? How do we establish financial independence? How do we make sure that yourself and the children are safely and securely provided for in the event that there's critical illness or job loss, right? Let's have these, you know, tough conversations now and make sure that we're set up in a position to succeed personally beyond divorce. Divorce is just the project, right? It's, one, it's it, one project. <laughs> it's true. It, it, it's a period and a time period in life, but there's so much beyond divorce and, you know, and people can thrive and survive after divorce and whether it's dating, remarried or change careers or pursue a passion or to raise kids, whatever that may be, a lot of it comes through in, in, in life after divorce. So it's a constant conversation and really education. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought like, even, you know, um, you know, with my lawyer, you, you, when you're going through divorce, you can sometimes only handle so much. You only have, you know, so much bandwidth. And so I've appreciated that I've been able to get through what I need to get through with, you know, with a bigger end game in sightline, but then to be able to go, okay, let's deal with wills. Let's deal with, you know, estate planning. Let's deal, let's deal with all of those things as we can handle them and where appropriate. And, and then, and then we can start to take on some newer projects and some, you know, even more fun things. But I think that, you know, having professionals who are there to inform and to guide is super important. Now, I know that not everybody has access necessarily to a professional team or a certain caliber of professional team, but also, you know, there's an incredible amount of resources that are available for free. There's resources in the community that support people to go through this. Um, so I think that regardless of who your team is, it's important to have one. Alicia, you mentioned those resources and you provide so much support to women going through divorce and, and after divorce through your book, Make Lemonade and many other resources. Tell us about your programs, your master classes, the blog, the Lemonade Life community that, that you have formed to provide some support for women going through divorce and how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, thank you so much. I um, Basically, I created what I did not have and wished I did, which was the community, the connection, and the coaching. So in the community, you've got, again, like-minded, you know, capable, smart, positive, growth mindset, women who are very aspirational to be around. 
And though our experiences may be a little bit different, we can all channel the feelings that we have and what we've done to work together through it. And that's the connection, right? That really a beautiful, magical thing happens, I believe, when as human beings, we connect and we lift each other up and we give each other that hope, you know, and that, that aha moment. And then the coaching is really, you know, the skills, the tools, the resources, the accountability, the, hey, have you thought about it this way? So um, in between all of those things that is in our squeeze, that's what we call it, that's like, you know, just like, what is the nitty gritty that we need to do to get through this thing? And so that's what we have. And that is a beautiful community that sort of delivered to your inbox weekly and also has a private Facebook group and some digital workshop and courses, um, as well as a whole bunch of affirmations and healing things. And then I have a signature program, which is Unwife. And so, you know, if you're going to get unwived, you better have the community, the coaching. And that's where I support people weekly. And so it's incredible. We do co group coaching and one-to-one -one coaching. And that's where we get really specific. And we really help people with a path and a plan. And to take people through all of the things that are self-worth, healthy boundaries, communication skills, confidence, the divorce process, negotiation, project management, hiring a team for fit. All the things. It's a one-stop shop, and I absolutely love it. You're changing, <laughs> you're changing the narrative around divorce and providing support. They're really just tremendous and wonderful resources through the book and through everything that you're offering and you're doing. This was an absolute pleasure, Alicia. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Evan. I've really had a great time. Appreciate it. Episode 41. This was a show, Alicia Robertson. She was absolutely great, inspirational, motivational, just terrific. What a fantastic spot with her. My guy, producer Dave of the Boston Podcast Network, making it happen behind the scenes. How great was Alicia? Fantastic guest once again. And uh, we may have to have her back in the future, Evan, because it seemed like we left a few topics on the table. She was brilliant. Absolutely, we'll do that. And thank you to all the listeners. You can listen to the podcast and all major podcast platforms, YouTube, and Pod 617. Follow the podcast. Send in your comments and questions. Evan at shinedivorce.com. And follow me on social media for the latest content. I'm Evan Shine, and I'll talk to you again real soon.